Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I am joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our heart-raised classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing tonight, hon? I'm pretty good, thank you. Uh, getting over a little bit of a, a mild cold, I'd say. I'm hoping this is the tail end of it. We uh, we had a little bit of a cold come through the house, but uh, we've had our COVID test. We're all fine. Just a bit of a runny nose. I'm, I'm hoping that's the end of it. Yeah. It's uh, really thrown a wrench in the last week. It has. And it's been a really hectic week to have wrenches thrown in it. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we we're, we we bought a house. We bought another house. We bought another house. That makes it sound like we're going to have two houses. We're yes. only going to have one house. For a couple of weeks, there might be an overlap, but we are we're selling our first house We together. are selling our first house. We are selling our first house together. Yeah. So I'm sure the day will come where it's like, okay, this is our last day in this house, and then I ball my eyes out. But it's it's time to move on this is a great house it's just it's time to move we've we've outgrown it in the sense of we have need for more space than this house can allow yeah and honestly it's a decently sized house i think it's just more i really want a driveway yeah we it's and a little more space i can't believe that you lasted this long without one i know considering that was one of your i need one for this house and then we didn't get one Uh, you know you got to make sacrifices but you know what the only sacrifice i think we made on our want list for the new house is we have a small road fee which i didn't want to have to deal with but it's very small and we have it's still attached it's an end unit townhouse and i'm like you know what those are sacrifices i can make yeah, because everything else we wanted is still there. Yeah, which is crazy. So I'm I'm pretty happy about it, especially yeah. in this market. Definitely. So someone buy our house, please. By the time this podcast goes live, somebody will have probably already bought our house. <gasps> buy our house. Go through time. Go travel back in time <clears throat> to the beginning of April and buy our house. Yeah. Please. Yeah. But as we record in advance, based on the fact of when I, I just mentioned the date, we 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 will hopefully be continuing to roll on through without any major hiccups, any major. Flops. We'll try our best to not have delays between episodes, but no promises. Yeah, you might get an episode that is bafflingly badly edited. Yeah, you might get that, or like there might be a week where it's like, look, we tried, we didn't have time. Yeah, I feel like that's going to come down to when it's like actual like Moving move time. time or that because we're actually going to spend Easter weekend at my parents. The long weekend, we're going to take a little vacation in the country while our house is on uh, doing showings. Because, mm-hmm. of, because of COVID, for safety, it's recommended that you actually move out. Yeah. And not just like go out for the day while it's showing or anything. You literally move out. And then when you come home, sanitize everything. Yeah. But like if, all the high touch areas. If these hiccups happen, it will probably not happen until like June or July at the earliest yeah, probably but it just so. you know it's kind of crazy to think that that's something you got to think about is like hey there's gonna be a bunch of strangers coming through my house i'm gonna have to like sanitize all the doorknobs when we get back yeah we should just put like condoms over all the doorknobs i don't think that would help the house sell fair anyway <laughs> that's anyway. april do we want to talk about may may of 1979 we could talk about that so this week we will be talking about Alien, which originally hit theaters back in 
Hey everybody, Mike here. Normally, when we do one of these trailer thingies, it's a it's a short synopsis of some stuff from the movie to kind of give you an idea of what's going on in the movie. Well, Alien has a very unique trailer in the sense that it is only sound and there is no dialogue about the movie at all. So remember how in Twister, when I was like, oh, the dialogue is, is boring, it doesn't make sense. This is no dialogue at all. So what it does is it builds uh, suspense and and the music rises and it gets crazy and and then suddenly this crazy sound effect happens and bam in space no one can hear you scream it's truly a masterclass of teaser trailer and this is the only trailer that exists and rather than put nothing here i thought i'd pop this in go check it out if you haven't seen it before it's neat that's the i don't have a spooky alien that's your spooky alien sound fix it in post no that's that's gonna stay in there okay so may 1979 what a year margaret thatcher becomes the first woman to be elected prime minister of the united kingdom on may 4th Pretty big deal, especially if you watched The Crown, like I have, and especially if you're just a human being, because that's kind of a big deal. Right. May 5th, Voyager 1 passes Jupiter. And it goes off into space and then comes back and tries to kill everyone in a really boring Star Trek movie. Really? Star Trek 1. The spoilers for Star Trek 1. That came out the same year. No, wait. Is it Star Trek 1? One of the Star Trek movies. Oh, boy. It, there's an enemy and it is named V'ger and it turns out they meet V'ger and it is Voyager 1 with like crap scrambled on the name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It like flew into space and then like aliens attached to it and then it came back. I can't remember. I, I, I feel like it's the first one. It's the first one. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's no need to watch the first Star Trek movie because the first third of the movie is just slow pans of the Enterprise. I'm not even kidding. There's like a four minute montage at one point of them just flying around the Enterprise and looking at it. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. On May 19th, In the Navy by the Village People hits number three on the Billboard charts. You can sail the seven seas. And now it's like a, a song that gets played at Republican rallies. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> no, that's YMCA. That too, but, but still. Yeah. And then on May 20th, Elton John is the first Western pop star to tour the USSR. So this is the the world Alien is birthed into. Mm-hmm. Now, despite having opened nearly halfway through the year, because it opens Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. It's only the sixth movie of 1979 to hit number one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not like things are now where it's like every week it's almost like a new movie unless it's a Marvel movie where it's number one for like two weeks. Yeah. I guess not even like this year. This year's and last year's not. To, no. It's a bit of a joke. But yeah. Uh, Superman started the year and it was kind of number one intermittently. Uh, then you had the Warriors, China Syndrome, The Deer Hunter, Love at First Bite, and Manhattan. And then came Alien. It was number one for three weeks and was beaten by Rocky Two. Now, it was actually a big summer for spooky movies. You had Love at First Bite before it, and then Alien, and then Dracula, and Amityville Horror. Which Dracula? Dracula? You didn't look this up, did you? I did, actually, and I didn't write it down. Is it the Hammer Dracula? 
No. Don't all the Hammer Draculas have names like the Terror of Dracula, Dracula Kills, no. the Blood of Dracula's Wives? No. I swear those are all like real titles from like Hammer horror films. Oh my goodness. No, I'll find it. Uh, bah, 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 bah. This one is the British American Dracula, which was directed by John Badham, uh, stars Frank Langella and Laurence Olivier and Donald Pleasance. It actually won the Saturn Award for Best Horror Film of the Year. Isn't there one? There it might be a different title for this one. I swear that one of the movies is called like there's a Dracula movie that's called like Dracula, and then whatever year it was, Dracula two thousand. There's there no, but there's like a seventies or one as well. There's a lot of Dracula movies. There's like three hundred of them. There is a lot of Dracula movies. I mean, really. We could we could be talking about Dracula movies all night, but, but that's we're not, not what we're talking doing. about Dracula. No, movies. that's not we're what we're talking, talking about. about. Alien movies. Yes. So it was the biggest. Well, sorry, the biggest in year releases were Kramer versus Kramer, mm-hmm. which was 106 million for the year. Amityville Horror at 86, and like part of me is like we should do Amityville Horror, but I rewatched it not that long ago, and it's boring as hell. <laughs> um, so burnt right there. And Rocky Two uh, had 85 million. Alien was number five for the year with 78.9 million dollars. Still pretty good for like Ridley Scott wasn't you know the Ridley Scott yeah and at the time and like no one really well there's. How big were the names in them? Like, was John Hurt a big name when this came? I out? don't believe so. That, this is actually something I wrote I think down. He was like the big name of the film. Uh, the thing that I thought, I think Tom Skerritt was actually the big name. In yeah, the film. yeah, like, like he's actually top build. So, like that, that's the thing that I got. I, I always think this movie's so synonymous with Sigourney Weaver. She's not talk, does not have top billing in this film. No, no, which is, you know, under like it. I it almost works for it Mm -hmm. because and we'll get into it but like watching it she isn't the main character Mm -hmm. until halfway through the film so it's it's very much an ensemble movie yeah yeah it's like a surprise that she becomes like the main character which i like Mm -hmm. we'll get more into that and the cast itself later but so shall we get into it sure before we get into it what was your memories of this movie Okay, so I've been into, and you know this, and I, I've said this before, I've been into scary movies for a long time. But here's the thing. I have an irrational fear of alien abduction. Mm-hmm. I'm very afraid of the idea of being kidnapped by aliens. And so the idea of watching a movie about alien, it kind of scared me a bit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I'm still afraid of aliens. But then... When I was in, I would say high school, we finally got like a satellite dish and I had more channels. And I remember uh, it was weekend and I was up late and my mom, and I started watching it at like 11 o'clock at night. And my mom was going to bed and she's like, you're watching Alien? That movie's too scary. And I'm like, I've heard it's really scary and I want to watch it. And thankfully, it's not the kind of movie where aliens are abducting anyone. And Mm -hmm. she's like, stupid idiot. Why would you follow a cat? And then she just walks away. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What the hell does that mean? What is? Yeah. Huh? And then she just left. And then I remember watching it, getting scared and turning it off. I didn't finish it that night. Mm-hmm. And then I, thankfully it was on satellite. So down the road, I finally watched it again. And I remember being so scared. And like, this was pre PVR. So I couldn't like just pause it. Mm-hmm. So thank God for like commercial breaks. Cause I was like freaking out. But I remember watching it really, really late at night. And then I remember watching it again with my mom at one point and her being like, again that don't go after the cat 
don't go after the cat. Mm -hmm. The cat will be fine on its own. Yeah, that's my main memory is my mom being like, going after a cat, you friggin' idiot. And then just walking away. And I'm just like, huh, what? Because it was when she said that it was before like anything had happened in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like the movie had just started. So I didn't even know at this point there was a cat. Right. And I'm like, what the hell is she talking? And I'm pretty sure at the scene where he's Brett is following the cat is when I'm like, no, I'm done. And I'm like, <laughs> nope, right out. So, but remember, aliens in general have always been really scary to me, which I blame on my favorite TV show, which is The X Files. So it's your is own like, fault. It is a self inflicted fear. <gasps> my parents let me watch that show way too young, which is fine because it's my favorite show of all time. And I love that show so much. And I could watch every episode of it again and again and again and again, even the bad ones. So, yeah no hate but mm. at the same time like i was scared i remember being really scared and i finally didn't watch it through and then we've watched it a few times since because yep. it's one of your favorite movies of all time and i mean we've had the discussion before it's like you prefer aliens whereas i prefer alien mm -hmm. but i'm more of a horror person and you're more of a i love action movies too yeah. like uh, when am i finally going to see this new fast and furious movie like let's go yeah hopefully it has not been delayed again since yeah. between when we record this and when it actually airs 2022 is going to be a huge year for movies because everyone's gonna be vaccinated by then and everybody's gonna be going back to the theater it's gonna be like every weekend i can't wait to go back to the movies i promise once we're vaccinated we'll drop our kid off with your parents and we'll go to the movies oh i want to go i will just see anything i don't even give a shit let's Same. just go to the movies it would be nice to do something normal yeah <laughs> okay so uh, that's that's promises in my back pocket once once we're vaccinated fully vaccinated we'll go to the movies sounds perfect we'll still probably have to wear our masks that's fine which I, is fine by I me i just want to go to the movies okay I miss the movies and you yeah so for me it's it's funny as you said that i'm i'm a fan of aliens more than alien basically what it boils down to this is another one of those movies where like it's a franchise and I saw the franchise in reverse order. So I saw oh. Alien 3 first. And it was... Sorry, yeah, I mean... Sorry, can I interrupt? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw Alien Resurrection first. Out of the all of the Alien movies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw Alien Resurrection, then Alien. And I don't think I saw Aliens until we started dating. And I definitely didn't see Alien 3 until we were dating. But I did see Alien vs. Predator before him, but not Alien vs. Predator 2. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No just worries. That, like, it just clicked in my head. I was like, oh my gosh, I saw Alien Resurrection first, but I've always had a crush on Winona. Of course, of course. Anyway, so so I saw Alien 3 first, but I didn't even see the whole movie. Like, I saw part of it. And it was at the, the, the aunt, who's not quite an aunt's house, if you recall those stories from, from the podcast. And she made a comment about the other movies in the series. And I'd never seen any of them. And then Aliens was on space. And I taped it. And I loved it. Aliens is one of my favorite movies of all time. And number three? Two. Oh. Number two. I don't think I could put my favorite movies I have in my top. Order. I have my top three in exact order. Everything else from that is a jumble. Jurassic Park? Yes. Aliens? Yes. Robocop? Yes. So when all of those movies show up on this podcast, you will know that they are all double butters. For <laughs> double Mike. butter with like seasoning salt. Mm. Yes. So yeah. So Aliens is one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely loved it. It started a love affair with the alien creature for me. I mean, in general, it is one of the most famous monsters in movies. Mm -hmm. But for me, like 
we've already started the packing process. The, normally, there is a shelf just outside of this room that is covered in alien action figures, mm-hmm. the xenomorphs as far as the eye can see, and that that's a testament to how much I I, mean, I love this franchise. Eventually, I was talking to the aunt again, who said, you know, oh, you love aliens. And I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, what do you think of the first one? That's my favorite one. And I said, I've never seen it. And she goes, I have a copy of it. Let's watch it. So I watched it at her place on a like 20 inch television oh boy, yeah. on VHS. Yeah. And I, I loved it. But I wouldn't say it scared me because we also watched it in a room that was about as well lit as this room. Mm -hmm. So like 20 inch screen, incredibly well lit room, not super scary. Nice. (laughs) But I still enjoyed it. You know, like I was like, this is a great movie. And I don't think I really appreciated it until later when I started buying it. Like I bought it for myself on DVD and just watched it over and over and over again. And the thing about it is... Since that happened, the, the the version of Alien that we own has the director's cut as well as the regular the theatrical cut. And I've only ever watched the director's cut since. Mm. And it's there there aren't a ton of differences. It's like I think it's 10 minutes longer. And there's some context that's added. Like there's actually a scene in, that's in the director's cut that I'm like, why did they take that part out? Because mm-hmm. like it should I think it's important. But it's not in the theatrical cut. And and really, outside of two scenes in the movie, I didn't really miss any of the director's cut stuff because mm-hmm. we watched the theatrical cut for this one. Because, I mean, you know, we're reviewing the movie, right? So it didn't make sense to review the, you know, the other version, the director's cut, because that wasn't the version that was popular, right? So this was my first time rewatching the theatrical cut. And like I said, there weren't a ton of differences. The The two main differences that I think are important is that after they break quarantine, Lambert slaps the shit out of Ripley. Yep. And is like, well, how did you leave? How could you leave us there to die? Kind of a thing. And then she's like, that's my damn job. Blah, blah, blah. Great scene. Yeah. Like, at least she did the right thing, but we'll yeah, get into that. We'll get into that. And the other th- difference is she finds Dallas alive on the ship cocooned. I do remember that. And that's, that's the other major difference. Otherwise, if you watch the theatrical cut, Dallas just disappears. He's you assume he's dead. That's the end of him in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's a couple other scenes they did. They just add, you know, a l- maybe a little backstory, but otherwise, that's it. But before we get into actually watching the movie itself, this is just kind of like or like talking about our like having rewatched it. This is just a weird timing of things mm-hmm. in the time between when we watched the movie and when we're recording it. Uh, Yafit Kodo, who plays Parker in this film, mm-hmm. has passed away. Yeah. And I just wanted to really point out, Parker is one of the best parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Having just watched it and then hearing that of his passing was just like, it, it was crazy. Like like the timing and, and it, it, it kind of made me appreciate his performance that much more. Yeah. And I actually was listening to a, a podcast where they were talking about him in this movie. And there's a little story that I want to just kind of bring up because it's so fitting and explains a lot of his his motivations as playing Parker mm-hmm. is he basically said that he shouldn't die. Like he fought really Scott tooth and nail. He's like, I can't die. You know, like, look at me. I'm a big brick shithouse of a dude. There's no way I could beat the shit out of that thing because the actor who plays the alien 
is like this six foot ten, incredibly thin guy. Mm-hmm. And like they, they found him, some crew member found him drinking at a bar. He was like a student. Like they, they picked him specifically because his features were so unusual to what somebody normally would be. Like, to, yeah. he's, like he's, he's like six ten, yep. and incredibly thin, long arms, long legs. They wanted him to look as unnatural as possible. So Yafet Koto was basically like, I could kick the crap out of that dude. There's no reason that I should die. Like he he basically fought tooth and nail that his character should live. And then while well, they were on set one day, I'm never going to be able to pronounce the actor's name correctly. So I'm just going to say it. But the Balaji Badejo. Sure. I, I assume that's correct. But he he literally picked him up over his head. He picked up Yafet Koto. And after that happened, he was like, OK, I should die. <laughs> like, cause, cause he was like, oh, I could beat him. I could like that. Look at him. He's skinny. And, and then that happened. And he's like, yeah, no, I get it. Well, yeah. not just that, but like, it's an alien creature. Like it's, yeah, the alien is more of a slender body and everything, especially in this movie. He's more straight up and down rather than like kind of crouched forward, more like a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't know what this alien's like strength tensile strength would be yeah blah, blah blah and it's got like acid for blood and everything else like so you wouldn't know and like this alien is obviously from a planet where like gravity is going to be different so that's going to affect strength and genetics and da, 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 da. And i mean i know partially it would be partially human because of how it gestates and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. but like it would stand to reason that this alien could be incredibly strong yeah so getting into the rewatch the first thing I had written down, I didn't write down much because I, I, I know I know this movie backwards and forwards. Yeah. So I knew I would be able to, to not write down too much and, and still be able to talk about it at length. First thing I wrote down was that Sigourney Weaver is not get top billing, yep. which I did not remember. But then again, like it's not something you think about. Like, I, I, how often are you paying attention that closely to the credits? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, something else. Like, I love the soundtrack to this movie. I love that Alien Isolation reuses a lot of the sound cues mm-hmm. from from this movie, which is really funny because the beginning of the movie, they are just panning the ship in its 1970s sci-fi future glory mm-hmm. with this music playing. And it just made me think of Alien Isolation so much. And I feel like I, I, I turned to you actually and I was like, man, this really makes me want to play Alien Isolation again. I wouldn't be shocked because you, you're almost... No, you finished Ghost. I did finish Ghost. Playing now? I'm playing Spider-Man, actually. Oh. I'm replaying Spider-Man. But anyway, yeah, the the atmosphere of mm-hmm. just the empty halls with that the, that music, it oh, it just takes me back. I love that music. Yeah. And after I wrote that down, what ends up happening is the next like chunk of the movie actually is very quiet. There's not a lot of music during the first act of the movie. Yeah. And I I think it actually does a service to the film like it's not it it doesn't add or remove tension mm-hmm. you know like it it i mean i know that what's going to happen i know this is going to be you know crazy bloody horror movie later you yeah. know but if you were going into this early without knowing what was happening it really sets up the shock of what happens later mm-hmm. because it's so i don't want to say boring dry Dry, yeah, dry is a much better way. I was gonna say banal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. But like, you're right because it is. It is very like it's it's a very straightforward. Like they set it up that uh, you know this is a shipping mining 
crew. Yeah, they're basically truckers in space. Yeah, they're they're the, truckers. They're they're, on they're a transporting they're transporting ore from some planet back to Earth. Yeah, like it's very straightforward job, very mundane. Most of the time, it's it's like probably what being on a tanker ship crossing the ocean is like now. Like it's ninety nine percent just hanging out while they're in hypersleep. Yeah, but and then like loading and unloading. And when they are hanging out. Most of the time, they're just bitching about their bonuses. And smoking. Yes. <laughs> That's one thing I noticed right away. You think that anyone would be smoking on a spaceship now? You think like Elon and the gang are just, you know, up in space just being like smoking cigarettes? Well, maybe Elon. But you know what I mean, right? Like that's you just that's not going to happen. There's I maybe feel, vaping. I feel like there's a scene in one of the documentaries where they basically said like, oh, it's sci-fi. We'll just make up a line that says something like, oh, good thing we invented the so-and-so device. And then it's they're the smoking. Smoke-free smoking. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, that's a good point. <laughs> a lot of the, the smoking in space. Yeah. But. So no, I, I thought that was fairly like, what, like, whenever you see that much smoking in like anything, and especially in space though, but like whenever you see smoking, like you just know it's not a movie from the last 20 years because mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen anymore. Unless it's the movie is being set 40 years ago, you're not going to see a ton of smoking because it's just not a thing anymore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So fairly quickly into the, it feels fairly quickly into the movie. They do end up on this alien because they get a distressing signal and they yep. go down to this alien planet. And like one thing I noticed that watching this with more of a, a critical eye than normal, mm-hmm. they have to have encountered alien artifacts in the past there's definitely like yeah the series definitely makes references to something it's revealed later in the film that like they 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 have like a clause in the in their contracts it's like you need to investigate this kind of stuff and uh, and that they knew they kind of had an idea like the company sends them there specifically because they had an idea of what was going on in other films they make references to to bug hunts and and things like that, like the Marines going out to other areas for for these aliens. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely like, and then when you get to Prometheus and covenant, like it's, it's well known that these creatures are out there almost. Yeah. I mean, like it's not like whale and Yutani discover these creatures and it's just never been able to bring them back to earth, which like over and over again, these creatures just decimate people. Like I understand that's why they want to bring them back, but also it's decimating everyone. You also get decimated. Not so. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. Whoever's in charge of Whale and Utani, stop it. Uh, but obviously, in in this movie, right? They're not thinking about sequels. They're not. But in this film, you still get that that intention that there there's at least some knowledge of life outside of yeah. Like because when they they come across these engineers who are like twenty feet tall and like the this huge spaceship, they're not like, oh my god. Oh my God, we've discovered another alien. Oh my God, we've discovered that someone else has sp- like flight. Oh my God, we've we've discovered there's aliens who've been able, capable of interplanetary flight. Holy shit, this is a huge discovery. They're like, oh, okay, there's a ship. But they're also like, but look at that ship. Like they're, they're, cool they're ship. They're they're shocked by what they find, but they're not like we've discovered alien life. You guys, yeah, you know, like, and when they discovered like an actual like fossilized engineer, they're not like, oh my God, this this guy kind of has humanoid features holy shit holy shit it's just like huh something popped out of his chest cool Mm. they're never impressed by it like to the point where like if it were you or me we'd be like yeah but Mm -hmm. they're just like okay so they've 
obviously, if they haven't seen it before, other humans have seen this before on other planets. And, yeah. like, obviously, they're interplanetary shipping agents. So they they have been all over the galaxy, mm-hmm. probably, or at least a few solar systems away. The chances of at that point having come across other stuff, maybe remnants of other cultures and stuff that have gone extinct or whatever. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I'm just kind of like, that scene alone makes it very clear that, like, finding aliens of some sort isn't new. I feel like they, aliens of this caliber, this is the surprise, but not to. But even then, like, the fact that they found a ship isn't like, they found a very advanced, different looking ship from what they've seen before, but not that they found a ship. That's okay. Yeah, I see what you, I see what you mean. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking on it. But like, it's just they're not finding other alien ships is not something that's new to them. Okay. I, 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 I would say that ships is new, but I would say alien life in general. I disagree. Okay. I, I would say that, I mean, even at, the, at this point in the series, even without the rest of the franchise all planned out and everything like that, that it is implied that the company has had alien like this alien contact before. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I feel like even the, they're, they're impressed by the size and advanced nature of the ship, but not the fact that there's a ship. Okay. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. But then like at this point, it's like an hour into the movie and it feels like it's been like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the things I know this movie moves it. It's two hours long and it moves at a very fast clip. You're never bored. Like, yeah. Even like at the start, where even you're when it's about slow, it's dry, yeah. it's not boring. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So they get to the ship, and the guy who is really excited about everything gets himself killed. <laughs> I mean, like not right away, but I mean, William Hurt goes down there. William Hurt. William Hurt. That's obviously a different person. John Hurt. John. William Hurt is the dad in Lost in Space. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> John Hurt. He goes. Who's Kane? He's Kane. I was about to say Ash, but again, that's no. That's yeah. No, that's, let's let's me sc- let's screw up names of characters in one of my favorite films. Kane. He is incredibly excited. He's the out of the ones who find it. Like Lambert is like, I don't want to be here more than anything. Well, he's Kane is like the second in command, right? He's like, the second in command, but he is so excited about what they found. He wants to look at everything. Yeah. And like, out of the three, he's easily the one that's the most impressed by what's going on. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he wants to look at everything. He wants to touch everything. And that bites him in the face. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I always thought was very interesting is, in this part of the franchise is there's that mist mm-hmm. where he goes through the mist and he, and he, you know, he calls it out. And of all the things that they embellish on in the rest of the franchise, that is never ever brought up again whatever that was so i thought that that was very interesting like he's like oh there's this like if i break it it reacts like Mm -hmm. there's there's no in any other thing in the franchise where it's like oh don't cross the mist or the aliens come for you or it wakes up the eggs or anything like that so that 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 he breaks that gets egged in the face entertainingly fun fact of the, the, the movie when there's the shot of the egg and you can see the face hugger moving inside of it it's ridley scott with gloves on no neat yeah he's just like in, inside the egg so they bring it back to the ship and ripley wants to not let them in which smart and you know what like it's one of those situations where like 
pre to the year 2000 or 2000 oh my god year 2020 i'd be like what were the other people on the ship thinking like ripley is the only one who has half a brain at this moment lambert's freaking out and like wanting to let them in and like we understand now ash's motivation for letting them in and but like i'm just like oh if this happened today yeah absolutely some idiot would let them in yeah like this is just nothing about like we've said it before every movie where like especially with diseased people it's like this wouldn't really happen yeah, there's it's no like, way it would, get it would it never would. get to the level of zombie apocalypse oh no it would because Very there'd be people quickly. be wandering We're around idiots. being like my body my rats getting bit yeah so yeah 100 percent. so like it's like oh yeah that door's getting open they're getting back on that ship even yeah. though ripley was 100 percent right yep like and i think ash lets him in and it's so stupid because even if he hadn't they still would have technically had the alien in containment. It yeah. would have been more contained if he'd kept them in quarantine. It's true. So really, Ash, whose he, prime directive is to get this alien back to Earth. He bungled his own mission. Yeah, he screwed up big time. He could have succeeded and nobody had to die. Well, except John Hurt. He was dead. Yeah, John Hurt was dead. Dead the man walking. He hopped on his face. Yeah. yeah. I do like that there's a scene later on where, because Ripley is third in command. Mm-hmm. And I like that there's a scene in the movie where she shows up later and is like, hey, so how's things going? And he's like, oh, you know, great. Okay. So why did you disobey my direct order? And and like gives him shit about it, which I, I liked that scene. I think it's a really good scene that shows that, you know, Ripley gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And it also shows you that ash has ulterior motives as well because yeah. he's very much like yeah well you know i'm gonna do this and then she leaves and he's like mm. yeah and like i didn't realize the first few while like ripley is third in command of the ship yeah and we actually did a bit of googling because she's she's a warrant officer warrant officer and we did some googling and in the navy and stuff it's basically third in command yep so it's like okay because dallas is the captain kane is the executive officer and ripley is the warrant officer which is like third in command yep She's the commander. Data. Yeah. Lambert is the navigator. Brett is, which is Harry Dean Stanton, is the uh, engineering technician. Ash is the science officer. Parker is the chief engineer. So it's a fairly small crew on such a big ship. But, mm-hmm. you know. Well, again, it sounds like it's all mostly automated and uh, like they sleep most of the ride. Yeah. There's it's like an AI. Off, that- it, it's like flying an airplane now. You take off. You just chill out and let the autopilot do it, and then you land, and if anything goes wrong in between, you get up. The autopilot runs the ship, you fall asleep, and if something breaks, they wake up the engineer and he fixes it. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what it was. Which, I mean, it makes sense. So, Mm -hmm. But uh, I actually, I did some looking into outside of, more into the the mythos of Alien as we were, you know, as I've been kind of like the last couple days after we watched it. Ripley has had a storied history with the Whalen yutani company mm-hmm. like being denied mat leave of any kind and like being forced to get back onto a ship she actually had to fight legally to get a few weeks off after having a kid before they sent her back into space oh, that's fun yeah so like again this is i'm sure not something that i mean maybe maybe ridley scott had this in but we know that the characters are all written without genders this is true yeah that's so the thing it's not that's- like when he wrote this but like Digging in more is so it kind of lends itself even more to Ripley's like state of mind against this company. It was like, I'm sure at this point, again, it wasn't what it was filming, but you could almost it makes sense that she is like so over this company's shit. Yeah. Which even makes more sense in the second one, too. Like yeah. It, 
So I wonder, I don't know when that kind of like personal history was written for the character, but, uh, her child is never mentioned in the first film. Yeah. So she's very pissed that they're not going straight home though. You can tell she's furious. They're not going home. Yeah. Like everyone wants to go home, but out of everyone, she looks like she's the most like, are you for real? We're going home. Well, what she says in aliens is that she was on her way home to see her daughter for her 11th birthday. Yeah. That that was the plan was she would be at home in time for that. Now Amanda Ripley has her own series of adventures that start in Alien Isolation, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But she has her story continues elsewhere. But yeah, no. So they find the thing. It jumps off his face. They they have all these fun adventures where they fun adventures where, where they find out you know what is this thing? Why is it bleeding through our ship? How can we get it off? Kane feels better, thankfully. And but then no. And then no, but this is something that I wasn't paying too much attention to in previous. Maybe I noticed it and it just never really stuck with me, but this time it hit me again and I'm like, oh, okay. Ash tries to hurry everyone off to sleep. Yeah. And But the only reason that things happen the way they do is because Kane is like, no, I'm hungry. Like, I can't go to sleep without eating something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so hungry. And then the the chestburster scene happens. Yeah. And and Ash, again, just watches it happen. Yeah, he's just like... Like, mm-hmm. he plays his cards, you know, like, without even trying to play his cards. Like, obviously, we find out that he's a robot and he doesn't have emotions and, and blah, 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 blah. But he literally just sits and watches it happen as everyone else is panicking. And I found, even now, like, I've seen this movie dozens of times. That scene is still... John Hurt's performance of someone going through that much pain it's gut churning mm-hmm. like there there are chest bursting scenes in a, the rest of the series like even aliens has them you know alien resurrection they all have them yeah none are more violent visceral than this one and i don't think it's i don't think it's because it's the first one i think it's because it's so well acted yeah well, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Like, no one else puts in a performance of like, oh, God, I'm this is happening to me like this one. Yeah. And even today, after seeing this movie dozens of times, it still is like, oh, ugh. and so well done. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And it captures, like, it, it's that, because, like, even when the alien jumps on him, that's kind of scary, but it's not, like, the face, but it's not quite. This is when it goes into horror territory. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I read about it when, you know, researching some of the movie is like, yeah, Ridley Scott took inspiration from like uh, Star Wars, obviously, and Space Odyssey, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. was one of the movies he took kind of like inspiration from for how it treats horror and horror scenes. And you could see that come through in this. And I hate to admit that I've only seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time last year. I don't even think I've seen it the whole way through. It's really good. Like that's it. I'd seen bits of it, but I'd never seen it all the way through. And then there's so many different sequels that I'm like, wait, had I seen it? The because only I've part, seen so many of the sequels. The only part of Texas Chainsaw Massacre I can tell you for a fact that I've seen is the ending. Oh yeah, when she's getting away at the back. When of she's the getting truck. away, that's like the only part yeah. of the movie that I can clearly remember. But the way it bursts out of John Hurt's chest and the way like the blood splatter and everything happening it is very reference like the, the kind of shots and that like kind of almost grindhousey feel of mm-hmm. the horror of what's going on and like 
I can see what they're talking about that like he took inspiration from Texas Chainsaw for how that the vibe of that scene. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I actually was like when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I see. Yeah. And then from here on out, like they they don't know what's going on. You know, they they think that they have just this tiny thing to catch. And mm -hmm. and that's what's great about it is when they go off and and then Brett has his encounter with the alien. <sighs> you got something to say about this? Brett's the one with the cat, right? He's the one with the cat. Yeah. So, and this is what I remember as a kid. I remember shutting it, not even as a kid, as a teenager, but I remember shutting it off because like, and but that's the, I actually wrote down too that this scene with Brett looking for the cat and you know what's coming and the music is building and like it's dark and it's creepy and you know this alien's out there and you know bad things are going to happen mm -hmm. and it is so well done that it is still scary after having seen this movie several times yeah were you scared i i felt tense i felt tense like you know exactly what's gonna happen i knew exactly what was gonna memorized. happen memorized there, there was i even caught there was well i think i think the part of the reason i wasn't super scared in this scene is because there was a point where i'm like oh that shot's missing because there's a scene in uh, the director's cut where you actually see the alien slightly before you actually see it uh, there's like a shot of because you know how there's all those chains hanging mm -hmm. in the director's cut there's a scene where he looks up and you can see it hanging uh, from the chain but it doesn't look like it if you don't know what it is yeah which makes sense yeah. I, I can dig it and you know what those sorts of scenes are quite scary so mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i get it yeah and but that scene's not in the the theatrical cut so the first time you see it is when it lowers itself down behind him mm. Mm -hmm. yeah no i um that scene is still scary and like the cat still is like i'm a kitty yep and he just like, watches that's the thing because the difference in another difference in this scene between the regular cut and the theatrical cut is in the theatrical cut it ends with the cat watching Brett being dragged away mm -hmm. and screaming. And then it cuts back to them in the kitchen being like, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. In the director's cut, it actually features Ripley and Parker. They run in and they see what happens, oh. which is why, because in the, in the director's cut and the theatrical cut, there's a scene. It's the scene that it cuts to after the cat is Parker describing what took him but if you watch ah. the theatrical cut it's like how did he know because no one was there in the director's cut they show up in time to see him being dragged away interesting yeah so there's a little bit of trivia for you in the director's cut stuff there but so they they have the plan and they go into the vents in the vent scene and the vent scene the music in the vent scene plays up the suspense so well this is something else that I, this is something else i wrote was i loved how it drove the suspense of the scene even though i knew everything that was going to happen building up to that moment and i'm so familiar with the moment where the alien pops up and takes dallas that i was not watching it i was watching you oh <laughs> well and you know what like because the whole time like like obviously dallas tries to get Kane back on the ship which is as a captain the wrong move like i know he's panicking and everything yep. like that and i know nowadays i'd be like yeah of course he's an idiot but like he makes a lot of like wrong moves and you're like oh this guy shouldn't be captain sometimes yeah yep. and then it finally he's like no i'm gonna be the one who has to go do this really dangerous thing and i'll probably die i'm the captain it's my job yeah and you're like all right okay dallas 
you know, give it a shot. And you know, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, especially after I've seen it so many times, but you know, but at least when it came down to it, he acted like a captain. Yeah. But that scene is scary. And when that thing jumps out, like, cause that the alien only has what, five minutes of screen time or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. It's very, very small. But like that's what, and it's the same thing with like Jaws and the Descent. The more you see of something, the less scary it is. Yeah, that's that's part of why a lot of people prefer the theatrical versus the director's because there's a lot more of the alien in mm. the director's cut. No, but, it's it's everything because your imagination is always scarier than than what's really out there. Mm-hmm. Unless it's aliens abducting you, then that's scarier than my imagination. Right. So after Dallas dies, they decide to blow up the ship. Yep. And this decision made the rest of the movie unwatchable for you. Yep. <laughs> That's one thing. So, and you know what? It's always been an issue for me, but I I have photosensitivity for flashing lights and at the right frequencies. Again, I don't have seizures, thankfully, but I do get migraines from it. But it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. So, like, I'm worried that as I get older, what if it does cause a seizure? Because it's only gotten worse. And, like, this movie gets a pass for having it because it's 1979 and nobody, they, knew, yeah, nobody knew any better. Any movie that comes out with these flashing lights after I'd say 2015, what is wrong with you? Stop it. No movie needs flashing lights for anything. Mm-hmm. Like After after Pikachu started uh, causing seizures, you would have thought that that would have been enough of a warning. Even this uh, is Incredibles a 2 was huge publicity about kids having issues with it. Like, yeah. that's I think that's your like... Anything that came out after that with flashing lights, you're an idiot. Stop the flashing lights. But yeah, I literally put a blanket over my... And I can't just cover my eyes or close my eyes because it's enough light gets in still that... Like, I can't cover my hands or just close them because enough light still gets through that it still causes the headache. And it comes on very quickly. Yeah. So I have to be like, if it comes... So I literally pull the blanket over my head and I'm digging my heels and my palms into my eyes and I'm just leaned right forward so I can't see anything to protect myself from the friggin' lights. Yeah. So and so and I'm like, wait, and you know this, like mm-hmm. that, like you're like, okay, okay, it stopped. And I literally start to pull the blanket up. Oh, now it started yeah, again. Started I'm like again. right back into it. I go. And then literally until From from when they decide to blow the ship to the end of the movie. I, I literally basically had to just describe the yeah, rest of it, the movie. Yeah, it was too. it was descriptive video at that point because yeah. I couldn't watch it. And I have seen it before, but like I said, it's it's definitely getting worse as I get older. I'm not going to take any risks on it just to watch a freaking movie I've seen before, that's for sure. So mm-hmm. that's that's one detriment against the movie is if you have photosensitivity, not photosynthesis, synthesis, you would be a plant. But if you have photosensitivity... Have someone watch it with you who can who doesn't have that who can describe the last ten minutes of the movie to you because it's really frustrating. I hate flashing like they make my stomach hurt and my head starts pounding immediately and I don't feel good and I'm just like stop. I hate it. I hate it so much. I felt really bad for two reasons. One, because it was my choice for the pick this movie, so I had done this to you in effect. No, it's okay. And two. I was really upset that you were missing such a good movie, you know, know, like the end of such a good movie. I've seen it before. I know what happened. I know, but it's still it's right? a really good ending too. Like Ripley kicks butt because there's the there's the fake out. Yeah, you know, like like oh she got away and then mm-hmm. she like makes her report that you know I, I I did it and then she didn't do it. But did you did you realize like if they had just left this alien alone, no one else would have died. If they just let it be 
and lock themselves in a room, how would they have known? Right. So I was reading the trivia. Mm-hmm. How the theory is, the reason why it's curled up, hiding in the shuttle, mm-hmm. isn't that it's like scared of Ripley or anything. It's just, it's ended its life cycle, so dying. Because mm-hmm. it ages so quickly that it is literally dying. I, I have heard this theory before. It makes sense because it's literally just hiding it, it throughout the whole rest of the movie. Like she has to like poke and prod it to get it out, right? Like I think but, well, I didn't they, get to see it. She, <laughs> she, it, it's it's basically the you could take it as it's dying, or you could take it as it is hiding, like not hiding but saving its strength. It's sleeping. Hibernating? Hibernating, perhaps. Because it's basically like tucked into the, the pipes, and then like Ripley comes close to it, and then it's like, go away. Like it come it reaches for her and it's like, get out of here. And then when she goes away, it goes back to sleep. And then she starts spraying it with like gas or or like vents or something to piss it off enough that it gets out. Yeah. And then the scene happens where she shoots it at the airlock. So I've heard the theory that it is dying because of its short life cycle, but at the same time, it very well could have just been like, whatever, I'm just hanging out here until I need to go do something else. You know, like it could mm-hmm. be, it could be doing its own thing. No, I, I honestly think that, I, I think that makes sense for, for what is happening. And uh, it kind of almost makes things more like bleak in a way. Cause yeah. you're like no one on the ship except for John Hurt had to die because this thing would have just died if they left it alone. Right. Because it wasn't hunting them. Until they went looking for it, it wasn't coming after them. That's not true. At the end, when they're trying to escape, it goes after Parker and Lambert on its own. Yeah, but at that point, they've been hunting it, so it's now defending itself. Fair. Ah. Fair. But, but, if it just wanted to be left alone, why would it have come for them? Because it was defending itself at that point. Because they were, yeah, it didn't know that they were like, okay, let's just get off the ship. They were, it literally was just defending itself being like, these people are trying to kill me. I'm going to kill them. Oh, shit, I'm dying anyway. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's one way to take it. And remember, we now know, again, this is pre-aliens, but like, you know, it's a, it's like a worker bee. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like. It's a drone. The, the life cycle in the director's cut is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Like. There's no mention of queens or anything like that. Like the, the there's the eggs, and then you see the alien itself. Yeah. And the director's cut seems to heavily imply that what happens is the alien is taking people because again, Ripley finds Dallas alive in mm-hmm. the director's cut, mm-hmm. and she also finds Brett. Brett is dead, mm. but Brett, I remember that. Yeah. Brett is like melting into an egg shape. Like there's like a bit of a like there there you know how like there's that secreted resin that's all over aliens and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're basically cocooned, mm-hmm. and Brett is melting in, and there's like an egg shape popping up in front of him. So the theory in from people who watch the director's cut, they've called it egg morphing, and it's basically they take people, and then they secrete you know like bugs secrete goop onto stuff, and it transmogrifies them into an egg and then the egg becomes a new alien Mm. so that's the life cycle Mm -hmm. is it takes it takes prey and then transmorphs it into new hosts not hosts but new aliens essentially that obviously is not the direction they went in in future films Mm -hmm. so that's why like they don't mention any of the shit but 
if you go by that life cycle, then it is actively hunting them and bringing them like, but then again, it straight up kills Parker and Lambert. So like, you know, it's all over the place. Right. But it makes for a good movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it does. I agree. But, and then, like you said, and then I couldn't watch most of the end anyway, but then Ripley goes back to bed and we find out later that she's in space for what? 60 years, 60 years, 50 years. It's 50 years. Yeah. But, Oh, it was. We did completely miss something. What? I, I was looking at the time and I was trying to gloss this to the ending. Ash is revealed to be a robot. Oh, who's yeah. In on he's, it. A, he's an android. He, he knew yeah, all along. He, he knew tries all along. to kill Ripley with a magazine. The thing that I love, the thing <laughs> he does try to kill Ripley with a magazine. But the thing that I love is the reveal that he is a robot. Mm-hmm. How it begins is fantastic. So Ripley is like, I have access to Mother now. I'm going to go find out what's going on. And then there's this shot where like she finds out what's going on and then it cuts back to her and he's just there, you know, like he and he's just like, well, I guess now you know what's going on. And then it becomes the fight scene where he tries to kill her with the magazine. I mean, think about it. If like a magazine, a rolled up magazine being held by a robot being shoved down your throat, that's probably going to do a lot of damage. Yeah, probably paper cuts. It would hurt. It would hurt a lot. Do you want me to roll up a book and start hitting you with it? That's different. That's book. Not There's not magazine. okay. No, no. But I mean, if you have a magazine, if you have a magazine and you have it all rolled up like a tube, right? And I hit you with the tube, that doesn't hurt that much. But if I take the hard end and like force that down on you in pressure, that's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Like that could do some damage, especially with a lot of strength behind it. For sure. Like I, I, I literally saw, I was reading a book not too long ago where somebody kills somebody with a rolled up magazine by like stabbing them in the eyes with it. Mm. Yeah. They poke out both eyes with magazine, with a rolled up magazine. And then they're like, I hate you because I wasn't finished reading that. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that scene and the effects, the effects, obviously it's the seventies, right? Yeah. We look at it now and go, that's a little wonky, but how they did the the beginning where it's just his head on the table and they're like fiddling with it that looks that i would say is the worst aged effect in the entire movie where he's like where they're playing with the neck and then but then it cuts to his head through the like his head on the table yeah where it's actually the actor yeah and that's really well done really well done even and like he's spitting up milk and it is milk like it's obviously milk like but it is milk, and apparently, like it had gone bad, and it made him sick on the set. <laughs> but, but yeah, so like that effect holds up fantastically. Of the effects in the movie, everything holds up. Mm-hmm. Like the models look great; nothing looked too terrible. I mean, I know so much about this movie. I know about how so many effects are done. Like anytime you look at a ship and you can see people moving through the windows, it's a television screen in the model. So it's a shot of the model with a TV inside of like Ribley running around and back and forth. Like th- that stuff looks great. Mm-hmm. The the guys, when they're outside of the Nostromo on the planet and outside of the space jockey and walking around, any long shots to mm-hmm. show scale, that is children. Mm-hmm. It's children in the suits mm-hmm. to make everything look bigger. And all of these effects hold up with the exception of the head on the table. Like, that's the only one that I was like, that looks a little iffy. Yeah. You know? 
But I wanted to make sure that we we commented that because obviously that's a major plot point in the movie. Yes. Is that the, the robot was in on it all along and that the robot was a robot. Yeah. Cause so. that, and that was one of those things that when, because I had watched, like I said, Alien Resurrection first and see the more we're talking about this. Like, and in that movie, it's revealed Winona Ryder is an android. Yeah. So it was still a surprise when Ash was an android in this one, mm-hmm. but we find out right away in the next one that Bishop is an android and everything. So like having an android on the ship is just commonplace. Yeah. Did you know that all the androids are named alphabetically? Except Walter. Except Walter. Yeah. No. Oh. It's a fun fact for you. That's why Winona Ryder is Call. She's Call. And then, so it's Ash, Bishop, Call, and David. Yeah. And then Walter ruins it. Yeah. Thanks, know. Walter. Yeah. It could have been Edward. It could have been Edward. Edgar. Eddie. Eduardo. Ezekiel. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like, you know, that we, we, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to touch on about the movie itself before we got into the. No, no. I like guess it's, it's a very well laid out horror film mm-hmm. set in space and instead of. A boogeyman or a ghost or whatever. It's a terrifying xenomorph. Yeah. And Ripley kicks ass. <laughs> Everyone should listen to the woman. Because mm-hmm. she knew what she was doing. If everybody just listened to Ripley, everyone would be okay. Everyone would have gotten their wa- what they wanted, except for Kane. He was screwed. Yeah. No matter which way you slice it, Kane was, Kane was cooked. Unless, unless, because at the beginning of the movie... Ripley offers to go out there to help them because she mm. realizes it's a warning and not a distress call. Mm-hmm. And Ash tells her to not worry about it. Had she made it out there, she might have got there in time to save them. Yep. So there you go. They should have. All along. All Ripley along. was right. Ripley was right. Ah, poor Ripley. Mm-hmm. But before we get into whether or not we're right, I don't know really. It's, it's opinion. It's subjective. We're not right or we're not wrong. We just feel how we feel. But- Critics in 1979 had their own thoughts on this movie. So, Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? All right. So, nowadays, yes, it has a 98% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 94 audience score, which is probably the highest of anything we've watched. And I think it's well-deserved. I agree. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it first came out, the reviews were mixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't critically a darling at first and a lot of the critics have gone back and since changed their opinion on it vincent canby and leonard malton both gave mixed to negative reviews but have since kind of been like yeah we were wrong but gene siskel and roger ebert both liked it but ebert said it was one of the scariest old-fashioned space operas uh, he could remember siskel liked it but did say um it was basically a haunted house in a spaceship uh, not the greatest sci-fi ever made but he mm-hmm. liked it but yeah vincent canby of the times said the familiarity of the the premise kind of leaves a residue of the memory of some of the shrieks from shocks of the most mundane kind so basically it's copying other horror tropes too much mm-hmm. he considered and it was just like i've seen this done before it's nothing new it's just in space right which tended to be a lot of the the mixed re- negative reviews where We've seen this. It's just in space. Mm-hmm. And since then, though, like I said, most of the critics have since changed their tune. 
The movie received a multitude of awards and nominations, is number 52 on IMDb's top movies of all time. And in 2002, Alien was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry, which is a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Shrek's in there. You know, I can see that. Shrek is a good movie, and it is a movie when we get to the point where we could do Shrek, I would like to I do would Shrek. like to do Shrek, too. I would. It's, I don't know, it's cute. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's one of those movies that when it first came out, like, it wasn't considered great, and now as time goes on, and, you know, you dissect it, and everything, mm. layer upon layer, you realize that this movie is phenomenal. So, I guess that's my review. Uh, double butter. It's <laughs> double phenomenal. butter. There you go. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because normally, normally I would go first. And oh, and I'm so sorry. No, right. that's fine. But I mean, it, 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 I if I if I was not expecting anything less than Double Butter from you as well, because I mean, this is a really good movie. Yeah, and it's still really good. It holds up great. Like it really does. Like it, besides some of the technology and the smoking being a little out of date. Like the the cameras, uh, not cameras, oh yeah, the computer monitors. The computer monitor. Yeah, like the CRT monitors and like yeah. the old like buttons the size of like, your phone. You know, like, yeah, like that those bits. But like when it comes to the actual like, yeah, like I said, Ash's head on the table swap and the the actual like hardware yeah. technology are outdated. But other than that, it yeah. holds up phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. Like the monster is scary. The tension is there. Mm -hmm. The music is fantastic. Yeah. The acting is great. The cast is is does a all the entire cast does a great job. Yeah, it's a haunted house in space. It has one of the most memorable movie monsters of all. Yeah, there's no way this couldn't be double butter. Yeah, it's, and it's great. I kind of wanted to pick it because it was like you know what, it's about time that we just hit a home run. Yeah, I agree, <laughs> and I'm glad we did. Um, it's it's just it's a really like. I don't know if the word fun is right because it's so scary, but it is fun. Like it's if you're in the mood to be guaranteed some tense scares, mm -hmm. it's it's what you got to watch. Like it's it's great. If you've never seen it before, like you should watch it. It's just overall it's fantastic. Yeah. If only Ridley Scott had just kept doing this kind of movie and not gone off and done his own weird things that he's been doing in the last one. I like Covenant. I like those movies too, but they're it's incredibly it's he, he, it's so far removed from this movie. But at the same time, like this movie, what makes it scary is its singular setting that you're unable to really escape from and mm -hmm. dark corners and like like it works for the descent too, right? Like yeah. the descent is kind of the same thing. It's just in a cave instead of on a spaceship. And like couldn't you really he couldn't just do the same movie again. Yeah, I mean that, that's kind of what he says too. He's like, I already made that movie. Is is basically why when anyone asks him about like why haven't you made it like this, you know, he's like, I already made that movie. Yeah. But here's the thing. This is how I look at it. I like that, but I like this more. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's that's how I look at it, right? Fair. Yeah. Anyway, that will do it for this week's episode. But next week, we will be taking a look at. So. Yes. You told me I picked too many 90s movies. You do. Like 90% of your movies are 90s movies. So we're going to visit 1986. Oh, interesting. Which we haven't seen since we did Top Gun. Are you picking another horror movie? No. Okay. Because it's always horror movies in the 80s with you. 
I'm picking an action comedy <sighs> from 1986 that I don't really remember very clearly, but I know I've watched. Is it Beverly Hills Cop? No, because we watched that fairly recently. Oh. We're going to watch Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I'm on board. I don't, I don't think I've actually seen it. I think I've seen Crocodile Dundee 2. I knew you'd never guess. No, you're right. I never would have guessed Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Never. I've, I think I've seen it once. I, twice maybe, but definitely once. Yeah. Like, this is when like- I was very young. This is like death becomes her level of left field for me here. Like where I was like, I did not see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. And like just a quick, when I was looking into it before we started recording this, I was like, I didn't realize that movie had so many like awards and nominations and crap. And it might actually be really good. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll take a look at that next I week. I watch something fun. Yeah. We'll find out if, uh, if that's not a knife. That's a spoon. I've seen knifey <laughs> spoony before. <laughs> Well, look forward to that movie next week for this episode of Burn Popcorn. I am Mike. I'm Laura. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.